Well, folks, apparently hell has frozen over. Check this out. We will make sure uh, that we cover everything that we can possibly cover uh, to ensure, again, that we don't have a systemic failure in our banking system. Elizabeth Warren has attributed this to the rollback of regulations in 2018 under the Trump administration. Do you agree with that? Well, let me just say this. Um, the rollback was troublesome for me and some of us who worked on Dodd-Frank reforms. However, we have to take a look at what is happening in our world today. What? High IQ Maxine Waters actually had the opportunity to blame something on Trump and she didn't do it and she actually gave a proper analysis of the risk that SVB took and that it wasn't Trump's fault? Oh my goodness, I think hell really has frozen over. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Uh, for example, uh, we have these startups. Uh, they are different uh, in terms of seeking out uh, support and loans we have banks uh, that don't deal with them directly uh, because they don't understand some of this creativity and it's not easy for the startups to get loans. And what we saw was Silicon Valley Bank uh, that uh, was the go-to bank uh, for these startups. Uh, the uh, bank was handling payroll and we wanted to make sure uh, that uh, the people and the staffs that are in these startups get paid and we've done that. And so I think we're gonna look at all of this and we're going to make some decisions. I'm not at any conclusions now. Maxine Waters not jumping to any conclusions, including not blaming Trump. Wow, maybe all that rain in Southern California cleaned up all the human excrement and gave fresh air for Maxine Waters to breathe in, gave a reprieve from all the smog, and she actually sounds like a person with logic and common sense. Don't look outside now, folks, but hell has just frozen over. We got a lot of news to get through, so let's get started. Welcome to Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on real news. Welcome to Open Source News. I am your host. My name is James, aka BCP, Black Conservative Patriot. But it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter which of the two genders you are. If you bleed these colors behind me, red, white, and blue, you are in the right place. Folks, uh, Joe Biden flubbing up again. <laughs> uh, this is interesting. Last night, he revealed that he was personally chosen by former President Jimmy Carter, to deliver his memorial service eulogy when he dies. Quote, I spent time with Jimmy Carter and it's finally caught up with him, but they found a way to keep him going for a lot longer than they anticipated because they found a breakthrough. And he said this during a uh, DNC uh, committee fundraiser. He asked me to do his eulogy, he added, and then the president uh, uh, caught himself 
for sharing the information and said, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. Gaffes upon gaffes upon gaffes when it comes to Joe Biden. From what I understand, the family had not released any information about the eulogy of the guy's not dead yet. It's kind of disrespectful to be talking about that kind of stuff. And they've been pretty uh, private about uh, his care since he entered uh, hospice uh, not too long ago. But, you know, that's Joe Biden for you. But it's not just the southern border that Joe Biden has screwed up. Let's go north. The United States Custom and Border Protection Agency has now transferred more agents to the U.S.-Canada border. It's come after a surge of illegal uh, immigrants from Mexico have been crossing into the United States from Canada. Yeah, check this out. Uh, this is just one of several groups Swanton sector agents encountered over the snowy weekend. 94 individuals from 11 different countries were apprehended across New York and Vermont. You know that we have a horrible border policy when Vermont, Vermont becomes a border state. Like, in, in 48 years wow. on this land. What's changed? Uh, I would say our Biden administration, open borders, free everything. What have you seen personally out here? Uh, people walking through left and right, um, which is amazing because a mile and a quarter to the right, there's a U.S. port of entry. Uh, most of the people come through, um, I believe, probably from Davenant Park mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. You said you caught a group of 16 uh, recently? I participated in reporting 16 in the month of January that had walked through and got picked up. Where were they from? Uh, most of them, I would say, were either Mexicans or Guatemalans and the occasional mm-hmm. Romanians. Illegal aliens crossing into Vermont and New York from the Canadian border. Now you're saying, wow, Central Americans coming from Canada. Few things are going on. First of all, some of them, as I've reported, are going through New York, like they're getting bussed in from Texas to New York. They're not liking it, going to Canada and then figuring they don't like Canada trying to go back. But also, Canada has uh, very interesting laws for uh, labor workers. I know of a person who actually owns and operates an agency in Mexico uh, that gets workers over into Canada. So, uh, very interesting. And then once uh, their work is done, instead of going back to Mexico or Central America, they'll just try to sneak into the United States. Now, of course, they want to be here because this is the land of opportunity. Check out this story. This story is wild. I'm from how I've read this story from the Associated Press and from a a couple other news outlets that have covered this story. I'm kind of guessing that these are illegal immigrants that uh, participated in this. And when I say the land of opportunity, crooks will find opportunity anywhere to make money. Two men were arrested, along with a minor, for stealing $26,000 worth of baby formula, baby formula, from several stores in Georgia, the Associated Press uh, reported yesterday. Police arrested uh, Sanchez Romero, oh, Mateo and Raguro, I guess they're brothers, uh, and apprehended a 16-year-old who was with them as they exited a public store north of Atlanta. Publix store. For those, that's a big 
supermarket chain for those not in the area. When police searched their car, they recovered 662 cans from various supermarkets stolen from the Atlanta stores valued at 26000 Now, the reason why I'm jumping to this crazy conclusion that these may have been uh, illegal immigrants is it says that uh, they didn't have any identification, were uh, driving unlicensed, and uh, they gave false names and dates of birth. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing uh, that they came to this country for the great opportunity of committing crimes. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The first crime, of course, is illegally entering into the country. Pete Buttigieg was given a cushy job where he just uh, pretty much had to show up so that he could be as part of this administration and maybe have a future political career. But a new poll from Rasmussen, 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 reports has found that a majority of likely voters want Pete Buttigieg ousted or they want him to resign from his position as transportation secretary. Now, of course, he probably never should have had this job in the first place. Um, but, you know, when everyone uh, backed out in 2020 from the race against Joe Biden so they could set him up to go against President Trump in the primaries, uh, after the primaries uh, in 2020, he had, uh, he had to land somewhere cushy, so they gave this to him. Pete, all you had to do was show up. All you had to do is just actually even go on camera and say, we understand your hard times you're having with the backup at the, at the ports of Los Angeles. We, we're going to look into this train derailment, all this other stuff. He could have just done, just given face, a face of empathy. And people would have been like, yeah, people Judge doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He just got there. Let's give him a break. But he couldn't even do that. That's how these elitists are. They think nothing of you. I'm just telling you, uh, it really, uh, it's really biting Biden all of these crazy diversity hires. Uh, another person that was uh, that backed out of or was forced to back out of the primaries in 2020 was uh, was Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, who is blaming, unlike, believe it or not, as I played for you at the beginning of this show, unlike Maxine Waters, Elizabeth Warren is blaming everything on Trump. Uh, but she's another person that backed out of the primaries. She thought she may have had a chance at being his vice presidential pick. And she knew that they had a whole Democrat math operation to get Joey over the finish line and into the Oval Office. She wanted a piece of that. But of course, diversity hires are the uh, name of the game. And even though Kamala Harris essentially called Joe Biden a racist, she got the uh, the Veep spot and was on the ticket. So now there appears to be, I find this to be funny, I'm just going to mention this for a second because I think this infighting, this catfighting in the Democrat Party is actually uh, a little bit funny. 
In January, Elizabeth Warren did an interview in Boston and was asked about Kamala Harris uh, as Biden's running mate in 2024. And because of that uh, interview, Vice President Harris now is not speaking to Elizabeth Warren after her pretty insulting 2024 snub. Now, I'm assuming most of you haven't seen this clip, so let me play it for you. If he's that old in a second term, the vice presidency becomes even more important. Mm-hmm. Should Kamala Harris be the, his choice the second time around? You know, I, I really want to defer to what makes Biden comfortable on his team. I've known Kamala for a long time. I like Kamala. I knew her back when she was, when she was an attorney general and I was still uh, uh, teaching. And we worked on the housing crisis together. So we go way back. But they need... They have to be a team, and my sense is they are. I don't mean that by suggesting I think there are any problems. I think they are. Now, I'm no fan of the fake Native American Elizabeth Warren, but I've got to be fair that I didn't see any problem really with that. I mean, except for the fact that she didn't just go, yes, Kamala Harris should be vice president. She kind of knew that she was going down that path, and uh, she kind of uh, fixed it. But no, hell hath no fury like a scorned, woman who has uh, dubiously entered politics via uh, uh, via affairs with geriatric (laughs) San Francisco mayors. And Kamala Harris (laughs) won't return her calls. Won't return her calls. Kamala Harris won't return Elizabeth Warren's phone calls after the senator stopped short of endorsing Harris as President Joe Biden's vice president in 2024. Warren has called Harris twice to apologize for her comments, according to CNN, but the vice president has not returned her calls. Warren issued a statement after the interview to GBH News and said she fully supported a Biden-Harris ticket. I fully support the president and vice president for election together and never intended to imply otherwise. They're a terrific team with a strong record of delivering for working families. Yeah, we're delivering high inflation and horrible life for working families. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you don't uh, you didn't share the humor and the mirth uh, with me that the uh, that there's little infighting over that between Democrat women. Speaking of Democrats, I reported that there was a Democrat senator on a call that was calling for media censorship to prevent bank runs. Now, folks, uh, by the way, I've got to plug our other show here on YouTube. Our report this morning, we have a sister channel called uh, the BCP Report, and Juniorette, my oldest daughter who graduates in a few months from college, did a report and she gave numbers and information that just came out about the FDIC that when people hear that number and see that number, especially if they bank at some of the questionable banks out there, they're probably going to be heading to the bank to withdraw some money or make some transfers or some other arrangements. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty sobering the news that was reported this morning uh, by BCP Juniorette uh, about the FDIC. You might want to go and check that out. This is the kind of news that they're going to want to censor. 
So on Sunday, a Democrat senator called for social media censorship to prevent bank runs. We know this because Thomas Massey, Congressman Thomas Massey, let us know. Well, now we know, according to uh, Michael Schellenberger, the journalist, that that Democrat is Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona, who is asking for Americans to be censored on social media so they can control the narrative about what's going on with the American banking system. Quote, during a conference call about Silicon Valley Bank bailout, Senator Mark Kelly asked representatives from the Federal Reserve, the Treasury Department, and the Federal Deposit and Insurance Corporation if they had a way to censor information on social media to prevent a run on the banks, according to Republican members of the House of Representatives who were on the call. The members said there were roughly 200 people on the Zoom call, including senators, House members, and staff members from both parties. On our conference call, led by uh, Chuck Schumer, With the Fed, FDIC, and Treasury, a Democrat senator asked the three agencies if there was a program underway on social media to censor information. And now we know that person is Senator Mark Kelly from Arizona. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. FDIC is, by the way, is planning another auction for Silicon Valley Bank. They're trying to do this a second time uh, because the first attempt on Sunday failed. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. After being unable to find a suitor for the failed SVB on Sunday, there will be another attempt to auction it off. This is what the journal got after speaking with people familiar with the matter. Uh, But we don't know how that second or when that second auction will take place. Uh, Tom Cotton has something to say. And he said so in a tweet yesterday about Biden and the bailing out of Silicon Valley Bank. If you missed my report uh, yesterday, I talked about, reported on how SVB was used to fund tech startups from China and Chinese tech companies. And this is what Tom Cotton tweeted out yesterday. It is well known that SVP funneled American money into Chinese companies. I pressed the Biden administration today... to commit not to bail out Chinese companies with money from Arkansas's taxpayers, but they refused, which tells you exactly what President Biden plans to do. Tell me that Joe Biden is a puppet of China without telling me that he's a puppet of China. Just show me that tweet from Senator Cotton, and that tells you everything we need to know. And interestingly enough, the... uh, The Federal Reserve is, uh, well, not that I believe this, but they're actually admitting that there may be some faults on their end. The Zero Hedge, uh, Zero Hedge is a great website, by the way. I hope you guys check them out every once in a while, uh, especially for finance news and just their snarky way of covering things. I I really enjoy uh, the sarcasm that often comes from there. Fed to probe its supervision of SVB release review by May 1st. What supervision? <laughs> uh, that's right. There was no supervision of, uh, as, uh, of Silicon Valley Bank, as Zero Hedge tweeted out. This is a regulatory failure of historic proportions by both the Fed and the Treasury. Instead of preventing billions in losses, the Fed was worried about board diversity and Yellen was flying to Ukraine. Everyone should be sacked immediately. But of course, that won't happen. All right, let's talk about President Trump in Iowa yesterday. And boy, were the people fired up to see President Trump. 
Uh, there was, uh, it was freezing outside, but there was a good time had by all. I just love the feeling you can see here, the feeling of camaraderie and love. I mean, the people were hugging each other uh, out uh, out there in the cold, lining up for hours before President Trump uh, showed up. And uh, black people, white people all together because MAGA is about America. It's not a racist thing. It's not a, it's not a, uh, what do they call it? A dog whistle for white supremacy. It's a, uh, not a dog whistle. It is a bullhorn for America and American loving citizens of all shapes, color, sizes, orientations, etc. Uh, President Trump even made a stop uh, at a at the Machine Shed restaurant uh, to greet people. And of course, he was well received as he always is because he is our favorite president uh, of our collective lifetimes. <laughs> Have a good time. You too. Yeah, Thank for you. the fire department. Okay? We got him. Okay. We'll take care of him. See you later. We're going to make a speech. Right. Bye, everybody. Now, that's not much I'm going to show you from that speech, but there are two things that happened that I think are that are noteworthy for me. First of all, before we get there, I reported on our other show, BCP Unfiltered. If you're not uh, familiar, I have a show called BCP Unfiltered. It is the BCP podcast. I report on things that we just can't really explore uh, on YouTube over there and in depth and what have you. And one of the things I talked about was Peter Navarro, in yesterday's episode, episode six, you can catch it either at therealbcp.com or bcpextras.com or at bcppodcast.com. You can also watch the show on Spotify. I talked uh, about Peter Navarro and showed Peter Navarro in his uh, a recent article that he did uh, for Substack. I think it may have been uh, for a podcast where he says, we've got to uh, look out for Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson is trying to be a power player in the 2024 elections. And he is, uh, he is you know, trying to get in there, not not as representative of Fox News, but of his, his own program and, and asking probing questions on policy directly to the 2024 candidates. Now, you may agree or disagree with Peter Navarro. If you want to get the full analysis of that, Check out episode six of BCP Unfiltered that I put up yesterday. But Peter Navarro talks about this letter that Tucker Carlson sent in regards specifically to Ukraine and the policy in Ukraine. Well, obviously, the Trump team and President Trump received that letter. And whereas others have not responded, President Trump has. And this is what Tucker Carlson had to say about that last night. So former President Donald Trump, who as of tonight is the front runner for the Republican nomination, sent a long and really interesting response. Russia would never have attacked Ukraine if I were president, he writes, not even a small chance. Trump says he opposes regime change in Russia. Quote, we should support regime change in the United States. That's far more important. The Biden administration are the ones who got us into this mess. There are many reasons why I love and appreciate the work that President Trump has done for our country. One of the greatest reasons is he is a peace and prosperity president. Not into the regime change of the failed neocon and neolib doctrine that we saw under George W. Bush and continued through Obama until a stop was put on it by President Trump, who was the first president 
in the modern era not to start any new conflicts and win a few, like uh, decimating ISIS and pulling our troops back home in a uh, sound manner, not to be compared with the by-design FUBAR withdrawal of Afghanistan by Joe Biden. You've got to love not just a president who makes America prosperous, but makes the world a more peaceful place. Trump repeatedly refers to the risk of nuclear war, which he describes as absolutely real. And then he calls for a negotiated peace by Ukraine mediated by the United States. Quote, both sides are weary and ready to make a deal, Trump writes. The meeting should start immediately. There is no time to spare. Death and destruction must end now. Trump has been saying things like this and predicting this for five years now. And he's saying it again. And our peace and prosperity president, Donald John Trump, said it again last night in Iowa. Now that we have problems that I don't think we've ever had a more dangerous time for this country and for the world. I don't think there's ever been, again, it has to do with weaponry, but I don't believe there has ever been a time like we're in right now. What they've done to our country in two years is unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Standing before you today, I am the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent World War III, because I really believe you're going to have World War III. And I'm there cheering with the crowd when President Trump says this. All right. We are at precarious times because, of course, we have nuclear weapons now. And things have been heightened, as President Trump says, by the manner of weaponry now available in these conflicts. Now, a lot of people think that President Trump isn't truly a conservative or abides by the Constitution. And there was a key moment uh, yesterday when President Trump was in Iowa and it didn't actually have to do with his speech, but it had to do with him answering a question from the audience. And I think this was a very telling answer. And I want to highlight this. Anybody has a question, go ahead, ma'am, please. Go ahead. As a member of Moms for Liberty, yes. uh, parental rights and education are top priorities. Yes. Seems like schools have become indoctrination camps and it's just not right. How do we get back to the basics in the classroom? Teaching, you know, reading, writing. And arithmetic. Uh, history, right. That's right. And civics. Thank well, you, Mr. President. You know, everything I said tonight, they could say he's conservative. He's got a wonderful conservative voice. Actually, it's a voice of common sense. And with education almost, in many ways, easier than other things, we have to get back to common sense. And that is reading, writing, arithmetic. What they're teaching in schools today is insane. And most people understand it. Even the people that want it, they understand it. So we're going to do something. And a lot has to do with your governors and your people that are leading your states. And, you know, they're going to be given free reign to do what they want to do. Folks, yes. Yes, a president of the United States and a candidate to be president of the United States again, President Trump. Seeing the obvious, education belongs at the state level. Let the states and the, and the state government solve the problem. We don't need to answer everything at the federal level. Now, of course, he's going to do things at the federal level, but he recognizes the state's rights. 
to govern the education of their children. Such a minor thing that I think a lot of people, probably many people, and I would say most people just didn't value as much as I did. And I want to point that out to you. Back in the George W. days, it was tough for me as a conservative. Now, if you're new around here, I've been a conservative since I was 18 and a student at UC Berkeley. I was a, I went in as a Democrat and came out as a staunch libertarian conservative constitutionalist because they try to shove socialism and Marxism down my throat. And my first reaction, of course, was contrarian. But then I realized that how great the Constitution is and limited government. And I've always been marveled that both sides love big government, that false uh, dichotomy, uh, the truth about the uniparty for the most part in Washington until pretty much President Trump came along. Reagan tried to fight against it and had some wins about the overpowering federal government taking away states' rights, contrary to the Constitution that says very clearly that any rights not given to the federal government in the Constitution belongs to the states. And one of the things that uh, made me a target, not say a target, I'm not a victim, but it made it tough for me to be a conservative during George W. Bush was the whole no child left behind and the uh, more federalization of education. And I was against that. And there were people that were drinking the Kool-Aid, everything George W. Bush did, who was an idiot. And I'm like, the guy's an idiot. We know he's an idiot. He was our Biden. And I wasn't going to make excuses for him. Man, was it tough for me at that time. My Republican friends weren't too happy with my uh, not liking the warmongering of the Bush, of Bush, pointing out that, yes, he is uh, an idiot and he's not very conservative with the bailing out of all of these institutions and the federalization of things that should be the purview and are the purview by the Constitution of the states. Another reason why I love President Trump, because he realizes these, what some people would call nuances in being a conservative, but I think it's pretty straightforward. If you're conservative, you are a constitutionalist down the line. And I am. And President Trump makes comments like this. And he's not perfect by any means. Uh, but I appreciate little things like this that President, President Trump stands for. All right, let's end with this. We talked about the Democrats and their fight in 2020 over uh, Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. That was another question asked of President Trump in Iowa yesterday. We know it's not going to be Mike Pence who's running for president himself. And we don't want that turncoat backstabbing bastard as President Trump's running mate anyway in 2024. So who will it be? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, Trey Gowdy's very good. I think he's very good. It'll be a good pick, but it's not going to be Trey Gowdy. Uh, we have, we have, uh, we're going to have a lot of great choices for vice president. We're going to pick a great one, but we're going to have a lot of great choices. You know, this whole process is interesting. There are those that say they're all campaigning right now to be vice president. We've heard that a little bit, right? But I will tell you, we'll pick a great one. Thank you very much. Interesting. Stark contrast between President Trump answering unscripted questions from people in the crowd, yes, a friendly crowd, to Joe Biden, who runs away after reading from the teleprompter prepared statements about the bank collapse and won't even answer questions from a press 
that's generally friendly to him. If you're like me, you're counting down the days till January 20th, 2025, when President John, uh, Donald John Trump is once again inaugurated and gets to work for We the People in the Oval Office. Until then, I'll be continue bringing you reports daily, generally twice a day. Please like, share, and subscribe. And check out our other shows. Link to everything are down below. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye. God bless.